I am on. Am I on to the through my mic here? Okay. Well, good to see you all. Glad you're here this morning as we gather together to worship. If you're new here and we haven't met yet, my name's Dirk Jaspers. I have the joy of serving as a pastor here at Southern Hills Evangelical Free Church. I would love to meet you after the service if we haven't met yet. I am the new pastor here. If you're new, you might not know that, but if you've been here a while, you'd know that. Katie and I have been here for almost two months now, and we are loving it here in Hot Springs. It's been such a wonderful church to be a part of and a wonderful community to be a part of. But one of the things, being new to Hot Springs, I know many of you are new to Hot Springs, is that I've had to learn my way around. had to figure out how to get places to... Colebrook, navigating the Black Hills, driving around town. I've had to get my bearings to figure out where things are, how to get there, where I am. That's true of any time we're in a new place, and it's true of us this morning as we start a new series. This morning we're beginning a series through the book of 1 Peter. 1 Peter chapter 1, 1 through 2 will be our verses. And so my hope this morning as we start this book is that we will get our bearings, we'll figure out where we are, that we'll understand what is being written in First Peter, who's writing it, who he's writing it to, why he's writing it, and that as we look at those things, that we will be able to get our bearings in the world. We'll be able to see who we are, specifically that we are chosen by God, but exiles in this present world, and that it will help us understand not just what Peter was writing 2,000 years ago, but how we ought to live now 2,000 years later. So would you please turn in your Bibles to our passage this morning, 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 1 through 2, and would you stand, if you're able, for the reading of God's word. Peter writes, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who are elect exiles of the dispersion in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, in the sanctification of the Spirit, for obedience to Jesus Christ, and for sprinkling with his blood, may grace and peace be multiplied to you. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. We are beginning our path over the next few weeks through the book of 1 Peter. 1 Peter is a letter. Many of the books of the Bible in the New Testament are letters written thousands of years ago by particular people to other people. And so in a sense, we're reading someone else's mail, if you will. We've got our, the person who's written it in verse 1. Who wrote it? Peter. Well, you might be asking, well, who's Peter? Well, Peter was, as he says in verse 1, an apostle of Jesus Christ. He was one of the 12 disciples. We heard about him in our series in the run-up to Easter. He was one of the first to realize that Jesus was the Christ, that he was the Messiah, the promised one of God. And he was one on whom Jesus built his church. He was one of the early church leaders. And so this morning, as we're reading these ancient words, we are reading a letter sent by Peter. 
by a messenger, an apostle of Jesus Christ. He was one who had authority and one who was one of the greatest leaders of the early church. So we know who's sending the letter, but who is Peter sending it to? We read verse 2, sort of the address line. It says, to those who are elect exiles, those who are chosen, that's what the word elect means, and exiles or strangers. And these strangers are located in a particular place or places. To the elect exiles of the dispersion in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. Who knows where those places are? Most of us don't. But he's writing to people, people who are Christians, who are chosen by God, that's what the word elect means, but who are strangers in their world. Because they belong to God, they don't really fit in. He is writing to a really large geographic area. Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia are all regions in what was then the Roman Empire, what is now modern-day Turkey. That helps you get a sense where it is. And the area he's writing to is a big area. It's approximately 125,000 miles. That's almost two times the size of South Dakota. That gives you an idea. And they didn't have cars back then. So that was a really wide swath of territory. And he's writing not to a particular church, but to people living in all kinds of different situations. The regions he lists, some of them are very densely populated. They're sort of cities. Others were very sparsely populated, so they're people living in tiny outposts, tiny towns scattered throughout the mountains. He's writing to people who are in a heavily Greco-Roman context, but also people in these regions would have been Celtic. There were some who were Turkish, what's now modern-day Turkish. So he's writing to people from different ethnic groups, He's writing to people in very different situations across a big swath of territory. Now, why is that important? Well, in this passage, Peter, in this letter, is not just writing to one particular church facing one particular type of problems. We have books like that in the Bible. The letter to the Galatians is written to the Galatian church. The letter written to the Philippians is written to the church in a particular town in Philippi. But here Peter is writing to people in many different situations, in many different places, but who are all sharing certain things in common. They are chosen by God, as Peter says in verse 1, and they are exiles. Whether they're in the city or in the country, whether they're in the heavily Greco-Roman province of Asia or in the Celtic province of Galatia, they are despite their different cultural settings, all strangers. They don't fit in wherever they are. They share something in common as Christians that Peter wants to address. So why is Peter writing to all of these people in these sort of different places, a letter that he wants distributed around? Why is he writing them? What is his purpose? Well, Peter knows that because they belong to Jesus... Because they have been chosen by God, they are now strangers. They are exiles, and because they are strangers, they no longer fit in in the way they once did. Peter knows, as the scriptures teach, that if we are Christians, that in some way makes us different. It sets us apart, 
and it means that no matter where we are and when we live, whether we lived 2,000 years ago or whether we live now, whether we lived in Pontus, Galatia, or Bithynia, or in South Dakota, that we as Christians do not ever truly fit in. And Peter knew that because these believers did not fit in, they were facing increased hostility. In the book of First Peter, as we'll see, the people he was writing to were being uh, attacked by those who were claiming that they were doing sinful things. They were being slandered by their neighbors who were lying about them. Some of them were being mistreated by family members. Some were being mistreated by uh, their, those they worked with or worked for. And so Peter knows that his hearers, despite living in different situations, in different places, in different settings, need to know something together. They together are chosen, they together are exiles, and so he wants them to know the grace that God has given them, and he wants them to stand firm in that grace. In 1 Peter 5.12, you turn there a few pages, Peter says, I have written briefly to you, exhorting and declaring that this is the true grace of God. Stand firm in it. He's writing because he knows that they have been chosen by God, that they have been made strangers in the places that they live, and that they're facing increased hostility from their neighbors and their friends and their family. And he says, I want you all, whether you live in Asia, whether you live in Bithynia, whether you live in a city or you live in the country, I want you to know God's grace to you, and I want you to stand firm in it, even if you are facing pressure from those around you. So that is why Peter is writing. That is who he is writing to, to those who are chosen by God, but who are exiles in their world. So let's dig in a little bit to how Peter describes those he's writing to, because I believe they apply not just to them 2,000 years ago, but they apply to us as well. Peter describes them in verse 1 as elect. Another word we could use to translate this would be chosen. He's saying you, Christians, are chosen by God. God has made you his own. He has chosen you to be his people. He goes on in verse 2 to explain how this choosing happened. He says that they were chosen, verse 2, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father. This word foreknowledge, we might read it in English and think that God knew something about us and then he chose us on the basis of something that he knew, like maybe he knew we would do something or respond in a certain way. But the word foreknowledge that he's using here is the idea of God, before we had ever responded to him, before we even knew him, choosing us for himself. The same word is used later in 1 Peter 1, to refer to God having known Jesus before the foundation of the world, that God was planning to send Jesus to save us, but that Jesus wasn't revealed until later on. So it talks about how God foreknew, the Father foreknew Jesus. And here Peter says that God foreknows us, that he set his affections on us before we knew him, that he chose us before we knew him, and that he has made us his own. He has chosen us. He has brought us out of the surrounding world, of the world in which we lived, and made us his people. 
So we are chosen by God according to the foreknowledge of God the Father. Now this choosing has the connotation of being chosen out. So if God chose us, he has chosen us, and we belong to him, but that means we no longer belong to the rest of our world. We no longer are a part of the world in which we once lived. And so this choosing also makes us exiles. That's the second word that Peter uses. He says, to those who are elect exiles. What does this word exile mean? Well, it's a word for a stranger or a sojourner. It's where we get our word pilgrim. Someone who is in a particular place, but they don't really fit in like everyone else. It's an Old Testament word. Peter here is using an Old Testament word. Abraham uses it in the book of Genesis to describe himself. If you know the story of Abraham, you know that God told Abraham to leave his household and his family and to go and to follow Jesus, and that Abraham spent much of his life wandering through other lands, through other places, places that were not his original home, places where he did not truly fit in. And he uses the same word, uses it in Hebrew, but the Greek translation in the Greek Bible of Peter's day is this word exile. And it he uses it to describe himself when he was living with a foreign people, with the Hittites. He tells them, I was an exile with you. I was a stranger. I was a foreigner. It's also a word that had a meaning in Peter's day, was used to translate a Roman word, the word peregrinus in Latin. That word was used by the Romans for a very specific legal purpose. It meant someone who lived in Rome or in a Roman province. They might have had ancestors who had lived in Rome for decades and generations. They might act like Romans, they might speak Latin, they might live in Rome all their lives, but who were not Roman citizens. People who were part of the community, in some ways, who lived life in Roman society, but who did not have citizenship rights, who were sort of like a resident alien, someone on their green card, but who did not yet have their citizenship. And so Peter is writing to them, and he says, you're chosen by God, and you're exiled. You're those who are walking through life in this world, like Abraham. You walk through, you're living life with others who are not part of my people, but you're never really home. You're not putting down roots among the Hittites. And here he's saying you are in the world, you're in Rome, you're in Roman society, you're in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, but you're also exiles. You're resident aliens, you're temporary residents, if you will. You have your green card, but not your citizenship. And so Peter here is sketching out for these believers their state, not only in life, but also in society. They are chosen by God, so they're God's people. And because they're God's people, they never truly fit in. They're not laying down stakes in this present world, in the present society in which they live. We see the same word for exile used in the letter to the Hebrews. In Hebrews 11.13, the author of Hebrews describes the Old Testament heroes of the faith, you know, the Hall of Faith chapter, and he says this, 
These all died in the faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar, and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles. Same word, strangers and exiles on the earth. So he says they were looking forward to something that they didn't have yet, and they were wandering as exiles. For people who speak thus make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. If they had been thinking of that land from which they had gone out, they would have had opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country that is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. The author of Hebrews, like Peter, says the Old Testament prophets were going through life, looking forward to what God had for them, but they went through life as exiles. They were not seeking their best life now. They were not seeking to find their home where they were living. They were looking for a heavenly home, a home that God was preparing for them. And the author of Hebrews goes on to apply that to Christians. He says, like the Old Testament, like Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, we too are going through life as exiles and strangers, those who are in the world but not of the world those who are looking for a final home, a resting place that is better than our current home. And so Peter is writing to them and he says, you are chosen by God, but you are also exiles, exiles in this present world. He calls them exiles of the dispersion. This word dispersion, like chosen and exile, is also an Old Testament word. It's a reference to in the Old Testament when God's people were taken from their home and were sent into exile. They lived in places like Babylon and Assyria. And in Babylon, they sought to follow God. They were told by God to do good to those around them, to live in ways that were beneficial for their neighbors in the city. But they were also told not to follow the world in which they lived, not to worship idols, not to become like the nations around them. And so Peter here is drawing on this rich language, and he's saying you're to be in the world, you're like the Old Testament exiles of old, but you're also to be distinct. Because you belong to me, you'll be different. You won't fit in in the way that the rest of the world fits in. So do you see this, this tension? We're chosen by God, but we're exiles. There's good news there's also some bad news that comes with it. And when we go through 1 Peter, we're going to see this tension where Peter is going to be declaring these beautiful truths about God's grace to us, these encouraging hopes that we have as believers. And he uses these hopes, the grace of God, to encourage us to stand firm, to encourage us to live life as strangers and exiles in this present world. You see, Peter knows that unless we know what God has done for us, unless we see his grace to us in Jesus Christ, we won't be able to stand firm. We won't be able to follow him in a world that is often unfriendly to Jesus and his disciples. But if we hold on to the grace and the truth of what Jesus has done for us and what he will do for us in the end, that will help us to walk what is often a difficult path. So looking at verse 2, we see Peter explaining a little bit more about who we are as these chosen exiles and how we have become this. We saw verse 2 that we are chosen. 
according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, that the Father set his affections on us and chose us to be his people. That's pretty incredible stuff, right? In a, Paul talks about how we were chosen by God before the foundations of the world. That God said, I want them to be my people. I'm going to make them my own. And so Peter is writing to these exiles, these people who don't really fit in in their society, who don't really fit in where they're at, and he says, you may not fit in now, but you belong to God. He has chosen you to be his people. So if others oppose you or speak ill of you or mistreat you, you can know and you can take to the bank that God has chosen you, that you belong to him, and that he loves you. He continues by saying that they are chosen in the sanctification of the Spirit. Here we have both choosing and this exile thing happening at the same time. The word sanctification is the word to make holy. It's also an Old Testament word. And making holy in both the Old and New Testaments has a couple different meanings. Part of it is being morally righteous, doing that which is good and right. We'll see Peter use that language elsewhere in the letter. But it also has this idea not just of doing what is good or doing what is righteous, but also being set apart to belong to God. The word holy here is used by God to describe himself in the Old Testament, that he is holy, holy, holy. We sang that this morning. This idea that God is perfectly righteous but also set apart. He's different from us. And so in the Old Testament, we see that holiness means not just being morally righteous, but also being set apart for God's purposes. In the Old Testament, they make people holy, but they also make clothes holy. Clothes don't do good or bad things in and of themselves, but clothes in the Old Testament are made holy for God. They're set apart for specific purposes. Animals in the Old Testament are made holy. They're set apart for God and for his purposes. And people are made holy. They're made righteous so that they can be useful to God, but they're also set apart for God's purposes. So when Peter says here that we have been chosen and that we're exiles, that God has chosen us according to his foreknowledge in the setting apart, the making holy of the Spirit, He's saying that God chose us, the Father chose us by his foreknowledge, and the Spirit has taken us, and he's set us apart for God. He's made us God's people. He's made us those who now belong to God and are to serve him. And part of this setting us apart, making us holy, means that we are different from the rest of the world. We are different than who we used to be. We are set apart for specific purposes. And so we are chosen but we're also different. We're elect, but we're also exiles. By being set apart for God, we no longer fit in to the sinful world in which we once lived. See how both of these things are present here? So we are chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father in the sanctification of the Spirit. The next thing we see is for obedience. The ESV that I read through in 1 Peter 1-2 says, For obedience to Jesus Christ and for sprinkling with his blood. 
You might have a different translation that might translate it for obedience and for sprinkling with the blood of Jesus Christ. The grammar is a little bit unclear here. I'm not going to give you a boring grammar lecture. But Jesus Christ here could either be referring to obedience or to the blood that's sprinkled. I can talk with you later about why I think it's the blood that's being referred to here, not the obedience, although we are to be obedient to Jesus Christ. I think what he's speaking of here is for obedience. So God has chosen us according to his foreknowledge before the creation of the world. He's set us apart by the Spirit, and he chose us and set us apart to respond to him rightly, to respond to the gospel message. That's the obedience spoken of here. We often think of responding to the message of Jesus as though we are uh, responding by, we do respond by faith. We sometimes think of it as something it's something I do intellectually or something I do with my heart. But the scriptures talk of our response to the gospel as being a response of obedience, that we are obeying the truth. That's the language 1 Peter 1.22 uses says, having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth. And in the context in that passage, it's talking about responding to the gospel message that had been proclaimed to them. So Peter is saying, you were chosen by God according to his foreknowledge and set apart for obedience. You were set apart to respond to me rightly, to respond with the obedience of faith, as Paul puts it elsewhere. And so he says, God chose you to respond to him and to be his children, to be those who belong to him. And how do we come to belong to him? Through the work of Jesus Christ. That is what's spoken of at the end when it talks about for sprinkling with his blood, or for sprinkling with the blood of Jesus Christ. We belong to God because of what Jesus has done, because he shed his blood on the cross for our sins and to make us God's in God's people. When we were reading in the run-up to Good Friday and Easter, we read about how Jesus said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. So by his blood shed on the cross, he made us God's people. And again here, we see the same idea in 1 Peter 1, 2. Just as the sanctification of the Spirit is an Old Testament reference, just as the exile language is an Old Testament reference, So here, the sprinkling with blood is an Old Testament reference. You might think sprinkling with blood, that's sort of a weird picture, right? Imagine if I took some blood and I threw it all over you. It'd be kind of strange, right? It'd get all over you, it would mark you, you wouldn't look the same as you did before I started sprinkling you with blood. It would definitely be something very visceral. Well, this language that he's using is from Exodus 24. You can read that in your spare time sometime. And in that passage, when God was making his first covenant with Israel, his people, those who he told them he had chosen them, those whom he had set apart to be his people, to serve him, to be holy, when they were ratifying the covenant, what did they do? They sacrificed an animal, and then Moses took some of the blood and sprinkled it on the people. So he took the blood of the sacrifice and sprinkled it on them to mark them as belonging to God. Peter here now uses that language and he says that you have been chosen by God. You're his people now. You belong to him. 
and he's chosen you to be his new covenant people, just as in the old covenant, Israel was sprinkled with blood to show that they belong to God. So now you, through Jesus' blood shed on the cross, have been sprinkled. You now are marked as belonging to him. You now are his people, his children, those who belong to him. So we see here that we are marked as belonging to Jesus. We are no longer our own. We are chosen by God, and we have been made holy by the Spirit. We've been set apart, and we've been marked off as belonging to God. So all of this shows us that God has chosen us, right? That's really good news. God says, you are my people. I have chosen you. I've set you apart to belong to me. I've made you holy. The Old Testament language that Peter's drawing from here, God talks about how his people are his treasured possession, those he loves and cares for. He says, you're chosen. You belong to me. You're mine. I love you. And you can see that I love you because I chose you before uh, you knew me, because I've set you apart, and because Jesus the Son shed his own blood for you. So he says, you are chosen. That's who you are. And Peter wants to make absolutely clear that his hearers, who are facing this hostility from the world around them, know that they are gods, that they belong to him. But he also wants them to know and to see that because we are gods, we are no longer the world's. We are no longer who we once were. We are no longer a people who fit in in the rest of the world. We've been chosen by God. We've been set apart by the Spirit. We've been marked off by Jesus' blood as belonging to him. And that means that we don't fit in anymore. That there is a difference between us and the world around us. And that means that we are called to live in ways that honor God, since we are his people, that follow the example of Christ, since we have been bought by his blood, and that honor him as a holy people who belong to him. So in the weeks to come in First Peter, we're going to see what that looks like when the rubber really meets the road, when your family disowns you, or when those you work for mistreat you, or when a governing official beats you even though you haven't done anything wrong. All of those are things Peter talks about. Or what you do when people around you are saying all kinds of slanderous things, saying he does this thing or she does that. So we're going to see what this looks like when the rubber meets the road. But I want to encourage us as we consider that we are chosen by God to be encouraged. First Peter deals with some hard stuff, but it also presents some beautiful, glorious truths. It is one of the most encouraging books in the Bible, even though it's one of the most challenging. And so I want us to end our time by looking at Peter's greeting to them. It says, May grace and peace be multiplied to you. He says, you are chosen, you belong to God, you're exiles, you don't fit in in the world around you. May grace and peace be multiplied to you. He says, may God's grace, may God's favor, may God's kindness be upon you. And he's already laid out in verse 1 some of the ways that has happened. God chose us. Jesus shed his blood for us. We have received God's grace. And so we know that God will not turn away from his people. Though others may oppose them, God loves them and God cares for them. And so we have received both great grace in Christ and what he has already done, and we will receive God's grace throughout this life. 
We can also rejoice because not only has God granted us grace, not only does he grant us grace now, he also will bring us peace. This peace word is important. It's the word from the Old Testament. Again, Peter is going to use the Old Testament all the time in this book. It's the word shalom, the word for rightness and wholeness, the word for when everything will be made right. And Peter is saying, you're exiles, you don't fit in, you're facing hostility, but God will bring his peace to you. You may be being slandered, you may be being attacked, you may be being opposed, but God will bring you peace. God will be with you in this. God will one day set everything perfectly right. And so as we live in a world that is hostile to Jesus, in a world that is often hostile to us, we can lament that, and we should lament that, We should have a sense that we don't fit in, that we are temporary residents. We're on our green cards, not not our citizenship papers. We can do that trusting, trusting that God has chosen us, that he has set us apart, and that his grace and his peace will go with us. So I hope this helps us get a sense of where we are, how we fit or how we don't fit, and what God will do for us. Would you please pray with me? Our Father, we thank you for your grace that you have shown us, that you have chosen your people by according to your foreknowledge, that you have set us apart to be your holy people, obedient and sprinkled us with the blood of Jesus Christ. We thank you that we belong to you now, We ask that that truth would help us to live faithfully as strangers and exiles in a world that does not know you. Would you use our time together? Would you use the singing that we will continue with to honor you and to strengthen our hearts? We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.